0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And it is uh, Sunday, December 13, 2020. And i got to say, uh, Connor, I've watched a lot of live television in my life, but I saw a pretty amazing, a pretty remarkable uh, piece of live TV on Fox News yesterday. I want to want share with uh, you and everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, it has to do with the Trump rally, so we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Donald Trump's legal challenge that uh, kind of fizzled before the United States Supreme Court this week. And uh, we'll also uh, get into uh, my rant about Donald Trump uh, that... Uh, We've uh, put off from last week. So um, just to just to kind of kick it off, uh, Connor, in terms of uh, the live TV situation, I've I've seen a a lot of live television uh, in my time. Um, I've seen Lee Harvey Oswald shot. By Jack Ruby back in 1963, I've seen Neil Armstrong uh, take his first step on the moon. I've seen the Mets win the World Series. I've seen Jr. Uh, shot, and we figured out who shot Jr. Uh, I guess that wasn't really live TV, but but I saw it anyway. Uh, it counts as live TV if you watch a live, like, premiere
1: of a show or finale right, of a show. right, we'll count that. Moment. Yeah, we'll count that as It's in a different case, category, but In something. that
0: case, I saw the finale of Seinfeld and the, the finale of Breaking Bad. So uh, <laughs> I saw all this stuff, but uh, at about noon Eastern time uh, yesterday, Saturday, I saw something I lied to you this Really pretty r- remarkable. So there it is, Fox News. Uh, Griff Jenkins, intrepid reporter for Fox News, is there at the White House rally by uh, Trump supporters. Um, and he's starting to interview the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Uh, Connor, you've seen Mike Lindell's uh, MyPillow.com commercials. You know, I uh, don't watch I'm Fox sure?
1: News, but he's such a joke that it is an Internet meme. Uh, that he's like, you know, this Trumpster personality who just sells pillows to boomers for some reason. It's totally, uh, totally obscure. No one understands it, which is why he's hilarious.
0: Uh, well, it, it works. A lot of boomers have, have made him a jillionaire. It's true. I don't know if it's just limited to the, the boom slice of the demographic. Anyway, Mike Lindell starts into the stem winder, this speech about Donald Trump. He was ripped off. He was a victim of uh, of fraud. And, and I mean, he's really getting into it. He's kind of a cross between William Jennings Bryan and Billy Graham, who was an empathic. Speech. But wait, there's a problem. Uh, Griff Jenkins can't help but realize that shortly after the Mike Lindell speech began, a lady on the stage started singing. The National Anthem. Now, this would normally be the time for everyone to respectfully face the flag and maybe put your hand on your heart and listen to the lady sing. Yeah. And Griff points this out to Mike Lindell, apologizing to the Fox audience for continuing the interview during the National Anthem. But Mike will not be deterred. He is talking about how the Supreme Court totally got it wrong, but actually it was a blessing because it gives Trump an opportunity to to fight on in other legal venues. Everything's going to work out. And it goes on and on. And and Francis Scott Key's memorable words are being warbled in the background and, and and. Mike Lindell is ticking off the various states where the lawsuits are pending, even after the Supreme Court. Once again, Griff breaks in, apologizing a second time to the audience. And he politely informs Mike, you know, we're it's the national anthem back there. Mike nods as if he understands, but he keeps going. Right. Now, high overhead, Connor Donald Trump is flying in his helicopter over over the rally. And the crowd goes wild. The lady on the stage wraps up the final strains of the national anthem. And Mike Lindell excitedly points over and over again up in the sky. Uh, it's not a bird. It's a, not a plane. It's our president. Four more years, Mike keeps saying. Four more years. And then again, he says, this is a blessing. National Anthem ends. President flies away. And I'm sure Griff Jenkins was wondering to himself, uh, when I get back to the studio, am I going to be told, that's it, you're fired, you actually spoke during the National Anthem, or will will he be hoisted on the shoulders of Rupert Murdoch uh, and Sean Hannity and rewarded with a weekend at Mar-a-Lago? I don't Uh, know.
1: They're so torn over there. I think he probably did his best with the situation that he was given. When you're interviewing somebody who's basically unhinged and won't get... Get off their script and won't actually have a conversation with you. What are you going to do when you say the building's on fire, Mike? We got to get out of (laughs) here. And he keeps saying Trump didn't really lose. It's all a conspiracy. What are you going to do? Who did his best?
0: I think there's only one thing for sure. Uh, On Monday morning on his desk, uh, Griff uh, Jenkins will have a giant satin covered complimentary My Pillow. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. From Mike Glendale. I'm trying to
1: think like the most dramatic live TV moments. I watched so little live TV. One amazing moment that I I was totally blown away when I watched uh, uh, Rick Perry in the presidential. Uh, primary debate. Oh, when he had that the, the senior he, moment. Yeah, he's trying to remain. He he's out there. He's just sort of like Rick Perry is not a smart guy or not a truly political animal. He's kind of just a pretty face, and he. It gets put up for the presidential nomination and he's trying to win the Republican nomination and he's he's fighting his way through it. And the way that you win the presidential nomination is you pick uh, from, you know, sort of as a semi dark horse candidate, uh, you know, not the one of the front runners is. Oh, he was for a while is you pick something you stick on message and you, you go for it. And I mm-hmm. totally get it. So they had him become obsessed with I would eliminate these three branches of uh, these three federal departments, these federal agencies. Cabinet positions. Exactly. Like that, right? Get rid of these three federal uh, agencies, which is a huge deal, by the way. The idea of eliminating an entire federal agency is just bonkers. Sure. It's wild. And they said the fact that they said three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's part of this overall... His like, mantra. Yeah, it was a mantra. And it, it was part of this overall conservative, like, anti-government message. Well, we, we just, well, just get rid of entire agencies <laughs> and we'll save a bunch of money somehow, as though that's where money goes in the government. It, and the... The wackiest thing—he's on stage in a debate. He names the two, two of the three. He says, "I'm going to eliminate three agencies on day one: uh, de- Department of Education, Department of Energy, de- Interior." And then he can't remember the third one, <laughs> mm-hmm. which happens to be Energy, and he's just stuck. And they give him all this time, and they, it's like—I don't know—it's like 15. Seconds. Like watching it, I was like, oh, "I'm like sweating." I'm like, oh "I felt bo- bad for it." Yeah, my body's like vibrating. It's like you're watching
0: a play, and somebody goes up and they can't remember their lines. Right. You really it, feel bad. For for them. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's not just a play. It looked like a play because he's <laughs> such a ridiculous, just a pretty face actor, an empty suit. But like the idea that this is your policy, this is the reason you want to become the president of the United States, and you can't remember which freaking agency. It'd be like saying, "Well, you know, I'm going to eliminate three, oh, three, uh, one of the branches of the the military," uh, and they're like, "Which one?" And you're like, "I don't know, maybe the army, maybe the navy. I don't even care, whatever." Like, oh my god! So I was totally frozen. And the unbelievable cherry on top of that later is that he becomes he he's appointed to that agency the conservatives are like <laughs> that's what we like to call irony yeah the conservatives are like oh well old we'll, henry ending let's put somebody in charge of the department of energy who mm-hmm. wants to dismantle the department of energy and like well they oh, thought better of it except a week in, they say to him, like he's interviewed, and he says, well, you know, back when I was saying that stuff, like I didn't really understand what the Department of Energy does. He doesn't understand that the Department of Energy <laughs> are the ones that keep the nuclear weapons safe and make sure that like they don't get misplaced or lost or destroyed. This is like, yeah, we put atomic... safe don't want unsafe
0: nuclear weapons. No, I agree with you.
1: <laughs> we put atomic energy under energy, and that's how the government just divides things up. It's almost like picking three arbitrary
0: agencies and just deciding they should be deleted from American government is a dumb policy. You know what I wish that he had done when he couldn't remember he should have said and I, you know i believe i should uh, we should get rid of the department of the interior and the department of education and uh, the uh, uh, the department of uh, household appliances you know, <laughs> just, or something, just, that something. He just made up yeah I, I don't know if you remember but there was actually a fun moment uh, that i recall from that debate when he couldn't remember and there's the awkward pause oh, and the moderator says something like sir do you want another minute he said oops uh, he actually said yeah, oops. Yeah, yeah. So it was a kind of a self deprecating humor. Yeah, a little sort humanizing. The other one that I was too young for, uh,
1: but I have heard so much about as oh, like a. Oh, sure. I know what you're
0: going to say when Lee surrendered at Appomattox. <laughs>
1: Uh, it was a, like, defining live TV moment was the O.J. Simpson white Bronco chase. Oh, my. Which I, I was, I don't know, how. what was that, 90... It was June 1994. So I was five years old, mm-hmm. and so I have no memory of it at all, and somebody actually we were said, almost
0: five years old.
1: Right. Sure, there we are. Uh, somebody actually said to me, oh, yeah, and, you know, that wasn't even just O.J. in the white Bronco. O.J. wasn't driving. He had... He L had a Cowling. gun, and he had a, one of his football teammates in mm-hmm. the in the car, and he was pointing the gun at the teammate and making him drive,
0: which I had no idea. Well, actually, that's not my recollection of how it happened. Okay, OJ had a gun. Again, I was four, so OJ had a gun, <laughs> and he was distraught over the death of his wife that he had caused. Right, uh, <laughs> distraught, a, committed, and he was going to flee to Mexico. He's going to kill himself. Okay. Yeah, you're right. He had some some a bag full of stuff that would have helped him get across the border, but he also had the gun. His friend, Al Cowling, was driving the car. Right. They were in touch by phone with the cops, and yeah. the cops are saying to O.J., O.J., put down the gun. Everything is going to be okay. Just, just uh, turn yourself in and so on. I don't believe there was any suggestion that O.J. was forcing Al to do this or okay. holding a gun to him. Okay. Al was his friend, and, yeah. uh, you know, in a way, Al could have been legally responsible for for participating in the whole process. But, so but I'm it, sure
1: it, Al, prob- Al probably said, I kind of just did whatever the guy with the gun said. He's yeah. distraught. Maybe he hurt himself, hurt me. I don't know. So, of course, he probably didn't get charged with anything for a low-speed, you know, Bronco chase. Um but I mean, you know, but, he he's an innocent party. Everybody yeah. thinks of him as an innocent but party. But it was
0: it case. was, you're right. In terms of live television, it was amazing. I mean, because this is one of the most famous guys in the world. I mean, it was right. like he was Winston Churchill or anything, but O.J. Simpson was a household name. I mean, a gigantic star, you yeah. know, Hall of Fame football player and then uh, he, the Hertz commercials where he races through airports and jumps over luggage and so on to to mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pitch Hertz cars. Everybody knew that. And he also had a, a film career of sorts. You know, he was in the Naked, naked gun, gun movies yeah. and so on, and so for him to have uh, to be a suspect yeah. in this gruesome, grisly murder, and you know, this beautiful blonde wife, and the whole, you know, race and sex and, and everything else, yeah. well, it was just a total magnet for for public attention. And of course, we know that during the trial, uh, the tension was off the charts. Oh, unbelievable. I, I remember uh, my situation, my little situation. Uh, at the time, I was a, a legal analyst for for various outlets including CNN. And so I had been commenting on, you know, these s- charges that are c- coming up apparently against OJ Simpson. And I was literally in Larry King's green room at the Los Angeles CNN Sunset Boulevard studios wow. waiting to go on to talk about the various possible charges right, yeah. against OJ when the low speed oh chase. My hit. God. And so I knew that, you know, things have shifted from sort of a, you know, boring, let's have a, some uh, tedious uh, lawyer give a little legal analysis to a much more exciting story. Yeah. And, as it happens, I got on the air for something like 20 seconds. You know, Larry said, you know, so what's your take on this, Royal? Yeah. And, I, and quickly, I was hustled off. And then, blammo, it became this story that was you know, chapter one, basically. And uh,
1: yeah, the, wow.
0: American national, uh, or the American attention span was absolutely riveted for a long, long time. Well, like almost a decade, basically, in terms of the saga of—because of, you had the follow-up of the yeah. Vegas thing. Afterwards. Well, yeah. And in between that, actually, after O.J. Simpson was found not guilty— yeah the wrongful death civil suit right right was uh, proceeded to trial in santa yeah. monica the judge immediately said no to cameras we yeah. were, were pushing hard for cameras because uh, it, it worked out very well in the oj simpson situation <laughs> and so it was uh, in a state court civil court santa monica no cameras a unanimous jury. And when you say,
1: real quick, you said we were pushing. That was because you were leading the charge on behalf of the Radio and TV News Association at the the time to say Mm -hmm.
0: Judge Ito put cameras in the courtroom for OJ. Right, exactly. The RTNA was pushing very hard. It's the group of uh, local and network uh, TV uh, news departments and outlets in Southern California encouraging, in many cases, judges to say yes to cameras in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And of course, the judge said no there. And then uh, within the next many years, it was almost impossible to get uh, a yes out of a judge to say uh, yes to cameras. We did, get sure, a, yeah. we did get a yes twice from Judge Fiddler who handled the Phil Spector uh, manslaughter trials in Los Angeles, two consecutive criminal trials because there was a hung jury and mistrial in the first one. And that judge felt, uh, what I understood was, he felt that he was very capable of putting on a trial in a way that would make everybody proud. And yeah. so he, his attitude was, why not let the public see? Yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, that's the thing
1: having a camera in the courtroom is not an inherently negative thing, and in, in my mind, in many ways, I think it was it was Eto's fault that it became such a circus. A lot of people criticized him, like you know, I think SNL or whatever criticized him, uh, because they like they could tell that he liked being on TV or they suspected that he liked being on TV or he made some other choices. Theoretically, if you had a judge who made uh, uh, all the right decisions, uh, maybe it'd be okay, but. Can you be a judge and wisely make all those best decisions without the for, without the hindsight of seeing what happened with O.J. and knowing how to handle it? It's hard to know. I mean, right. it's hard to place the blame at the feet of anybody specifically, though I do think that when you write a book about it, uh, which you should um, all <laughs> uh, go straight. Don't worry. Um, we should call it. I got O.J. off comma, I'm sorry. Is that
0: good? Is that a <laughs> well, good title? It's, it's a working title. Or maybe we'll sorry I got OJ off. My you, bad. You know, it's funny. Over the years, Connor, a lot of people have tried to blame different folks uh, in terms of the circus atmosphere of, of the OJ Simpson trial. I think given all of the volatile elements, it was it was going to be sort of circus-like no matter what. A lot of people blamed Judge Ito for letting people yeah. get out of hand. A lot of people simply blamed Johnny Cochran for being such a, a showman and, and Marcia Clark for being emotional and angry and so on. People, but, so many people blame Cochran. So many him saying right. basically he's just a
1: bad guy and 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 lied or cheated somehow.
0: But you know my attitude is not my attitude again as an advocate for cameras in the courtroom is that people are entitled to see their justice system yeah. at work. We sh- you know sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah. We shouldn't keep this stuff under wraps. People behave better, more responsibly, more ethically when they know everybody's watching them. And if TV cameras are on, then everybody's watching of course, them. Donald Trump puts the lie to that. But but okay, I hear you. He
1: gets worse. The more cameras are on him. But yeah yeah I hear you.
0: So I. I in hindsight, I don't really think we need to dissect whether it was Marsha or Johnny or Judge Ito who did something. Like, I think we just well, have to... Well, it's the book. Right. But I think we just have to recognize that it's a good idea. The default setting is, doggone it, we should have the cameras rolling. Now, of course, if it's a kid on trial or involved yeah, in the trial, yeah. no. If it's our nuclear secrets... Right. Right. If the judge really feels that witnesses are going to be so intimidated, they're That's not going to come forward deal, or whatever, yeah. it can be. But, you know, people say, well, people behave differently But it's about the what camera. the default setting is. Yeah. And yeah. plus, you know, having... Having seen a lot of high profile trials, been in courtrooms, I, I can tell you. People uh, are a little nervous the first uh, couple of minutes. Oh my goodness, there's a camera. You know, be on the news and whatever. It, it dissipates almost yeah. immediately. Yeah. And if you have a good, strong judge who can, you know, it can always pull the plug at any time. Uh, I, again, I think the default setting should be. Oh well, group. save it. Save it for the book. Save it for the that, book. That, I'll
1: start ghostwriting. That sounds. I have, fine. A, I have a draft on the, your desk by Wednesday.
0: Excellent. When we come back, we are going to talk about Donald Trump's legal challenge and why things didn't go well in the United States Supreme Court. But first, Connor is going to tell you. You how to rate and subscribe to too many lawyers please
1: I know we say this every episode but it's a big deal for us if you go on there on Apple uh, Apple's uh, uh, podcast Apple podcast the name of the app uh, or Spotify or stitcher or whatever podcast uh, addict uh, whatever service you use to get the podcast and leave us a subscription uh, I mean a a, a a like or a subscribe or a heart or a rating or a, a note or whatever uh, every format's different um, and unfortunately, You kind of have to have people listening on every single different platform. So especially if you're on one of the the lower ranking platforms uh, that have fewer listeners, it would be great if you could leave us a comment there. And especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, because that's the big one. uh, It'd be great if you could leave one there. So that would be uh, fantastic. We appreciate each one.
0: Too Many Lawyers will be right back after this. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Lokes. I'm still Conor So Donald Trump's legal challenge, uh, what the hell was that all
1: about? Yeah. Um, so well, it was uh, Secretary, uh, sorry, Attorney General Alex Paxton's legal challenge, technically.
0: Oh, that's it. He from Texas, gets right. to wear this cloak of shame. That's true. So let's talk about the background and what it really meant. Um, the Trump legal salvos are, are in our national rearview mirror now. Yeah, there are a few more miscellaneous suits out there, but the Supreme Court was the was the big uh, deal. On top. And, and that's over. Uh, I think it's time to step back and say, you know, what really was this about I think at bottom, nobody likes to lose. Uh, as a group, politicians probably dislike losing far more than the average, you know, carbon unit. Uh, but Donald Trump seemed to pur- pursue loss avoidance uh, to a, a heretofore unknown and frenetic level. I mean, you talk about refusing... Almost to- like his physical liberty depends on him remaining yeah, the president. Could be, it's yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. You talk about refusing to lose. That is the essence of Donald Trump. And, you know, maybe a lot of business people are refusing like that. Refusing to admit losing, maybe. Yeah, I don't, we don't usually see that kind of intensity even among presidents. So it started with a grab bag of allegations. And, you know, you know the states shouldn't have counted votes that came in after Election Day. The, uh, they, they counted the uh, votes of dead guys. Uh, the signatures on the requests for a mail-in ballot didn't match the ballots that came in. Uh, there were some smudged postmarks. And doggone it, we're going to give the benefit of the doubt, we're going to count that vote anyway. All sorts of categories of, of fraud. And there may well have been Uh, Merit to many of the allegations, and who knows, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of totally crooked votes could have been uh, cast for Biden. Some, who knows, for Trump. We don't know. But, you know, and then there was the video a couple of weeks ago. Somebody brings in like two or three suitcases allegedly filled with ballots down in Georgia, hid them under a table, and then they only counted them after they sent the honest counters home. Right. For a couple of days, that really energized the the, the Trump side. Exactly. And it,
1: of course, every video is subject to interpretation. What the heck is going on here? You can watch it of a video right. and decide what's happening and then blast that narrative out to the Trump world,
0: which is what happened. And of course, nothing came of it. So gradually, these suits are, are swatted down one by one. And so then the reality check set in. And the only way that somebody who lost the election by three or four decent-sized states, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and, and Nevada and, and Michigan and so on, could turn it around would be to somehow draw it to an inside straight like four or five times. It wasn't going to happen. So that led to Donald Trump's final Hail Mary legal pass. So he, he tosses the ball high in the air over the heads of the trial judges, yep. and he goes right to the U.S. Supreme Court.
1: Right. So that's a concept that uh, the, uh, a lawyer will uh, uh, refer to as original jurisdiction. Paxton, the Texas attorney general, didn't go to the trial judges uh, along the way where you go to the trial, you get denied, you go to the next, you get denied, you go to the next, you get denied, and then you get to the Supreme Court. Instead, he just tried to, as you put it very aptly, go over all their heads because you need the Supreme Court to decide to exercise its original jurisdiction and be handed a case for the first time. Now, that is applicable in certain circumstances, uh, but it's very narrow. It's very rare that the court will really exercise uh, uh
0: Uh, original jurisdiction. So the lawsuit argued that four states, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, violated their own state laws, and thus the U.S. Constitution that says the legislatures have to set state election laws, by changing voting rules in illegal ways. So why do we think the ball fell short? What was wrong with this Texas lawsuit, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, as far as we can tell?
1: Well, this Texas lawsuit was about Texas saying you other states have failed to mm-hmm. follow your own election laws, right? So they said Georgia, you changed the rules for elections. Pennsylvania, you changed the rules for elections, saying we're going to count ballots a certain way. We're going to, because of COVID, uh, allow for absentee registration at different times. Whatever they said, we're going to change our laws and w- in. A and one might way. say,
0: Texas, what's it to you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Why do you have the right to step into other states' uh, you know management of their elections and? and to decide whether they broke their own laws, whether their laws are good, whether their uh, laws are can be interpreted in this way to say, no, we didn't actually break that law. We just It says, like, you know, administer the election fairly or uh, make sure the ballots get in on time. Well, what does that mean? You can have a program of different kinds. But you can interpret that to mean one thing, and Texas is saying our interpretation is that they broke that law by the uh, rule changes that they made. And then the other thing is that they aren't allowed to make rule changes at all, period. You know, be close. We're too close to an election, whatever else. So that is Texas sticking its nose, uh, eventually, said the Supreme Court, uh, where it didn't belong. The Supreme Court said, uh, Texas, you don't get to do that. You don't get to dis- step in. Uh, you effectively don't have standing uh, to be able to um, step in and try to make those changes
0: in the way other states run their elections. So uh, you ask yourself, mm, gee, did Donald Trump ever really have a, a shot at this? I mean, the Supreme Court theoretically could have said, well, you know, darned if that Donald Trump isn't right about all this vote fraud stuff. They, they could have agreed with his argument right. uh, that, that Texas uh, has a diluted power uh, of their votes, most of whom, supported Donald Trump there in Texas uh, if you know if these other four states cheated and broke the, the law and violated the Constitution. So what next? What do we have a do-over? Do we just ignore the, the votes of four states? Right. And, and Good the question. Th- Tr- yeah. So the Trump lawyers did see this narrow, glimmering path to victory. They, they essentially were trying to say to the U.S. Supreme Court, OK, Your Honors, take the case. Don't rule against us on standing. Let's assume, OK, they took the case. They wanted the Supreme Court to say, okay, we're not going to count the electoral votes of these four states that broke the law. And what does that mean? It means nobody won a majority of the electoral vote. And without somebody winning the majority of the electoral vote, that, according to the Constitution, means... The House of Representatives has to pick the president. And the weird thing is, how does the House of Representatives vote? Well, we know there are 435 people in the House. Do they just raise their hands? Let's have a voice vote. Do you like Biden or Trump? No, the Constitution has a very weird clause. And it says if there's no electoral college majority, it says the 50 state delegations of House of Representatives folks, meaning One guy from Wyoming is the only congressman from Wyoming. Right. And and California has, whatever, 30 or 35. Right. Each delegation gets uh, together and votes. And, of course, the Democrats would all vote for Biden and the Republicans would all vote for for, uh, Trump. Right. And you count up the 50 votes, and yeah. guess what? If you do the math, I believe it's 27 to 23 mm-hmm. of the 50 states for the Republicans. Right, and that was the path. It's to like victory. the
1: ultimate, like souped-up mega Electoral College, where we truly ignore the will of the people to an unbelievable yeah, the Electoral degree. College on steroids. Exactly, where you just say it doesn't matter how many people voted. We've just got it, all we care about is how many states there are, which is, of course, the most ridiculous and insane and undemocratic thing. Uh, imaginable, which is a really good also a good encapsulation of this entire process. The the idea that uh, what was it, 126 Republican members of Congress and 18 GOP attorneys general argued uh, that we should do uh, we should sign on to this. We should do this. We should install Trump basically for a second term. And I mean, these people, these 126 Republican members of Congress and 18 attorneys general are, in my mind, calling for effectively a second civil war. They're saying we should you you should submit to us reinstalling a, 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 this autocratic president who's not democratically elected. This is, a, this is a war on democracy. And if you don't do that, then we would, of course, use the power of the federal government uh, to if you know if the Supreme Court backs us up on this, we would use the power of the federal government and their military to enforce this reality, which is to say. Uh, a, a second civil war, and yep. then you'd be putting the gun to the 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 rest of the country, the majority of the country's head, and saying, "Well, I guess you should just secede, shouldn't you?" And then, of course, the Texas GOP, uh, when you know they they made it, put out a statement saying, "Well, perhaps there should be some sort of union of states who who decide uh, mm-hmm. uh, to, to 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 change uh, to to secede uh, if if uh, and and form a union of states that will follow the Constitution." They said because they don't think the majority of Americans follow the Constitution. I mean, this is the Texas GOP as. It as a unit literally calling for a secession yeah. of states now of course they call it a union of states instead of a confederacy of states but it sounds an awful lot like a confederacy of states doesn't it yeah. I mean this is literal sedition I mean I, I don't know I don't know how you I, I don't know how you sugarcoat it when you say 126 GOP members of Congress support the idea of President Trump being undemocratically placed back in the White House for another term of what would probably be the rest of his life and then followed by of course uh, uh Emperor Ivanka I can't wait for Emperor Ivanka's clo- newest clothing line (laughs) Uh, It'll probably be her you know, emperor has no clothes. I
0: think empress. Empress. Sorry, the
1: empress has no clothing lines anymore. Well, uh, because she's too busy running the government. Look, this is, there can be no greater uh, act of a war on democracy than saying, yeah, we should, we should just throw out the results of a a democratic election uh, and install an autocrat. I mean, I, I I don't know what you do as the Democrats because you're trying to heal the country, right? You're trying to bring people back together. How do you hold these people accountable for what they're doing, which is a war on democracy? How do you say these 126 members of congress should not be in elect uh, should not be elected officials they should not be in government they need to be exorcised from government how do you do that without losing
0: uh, people's trust in government generally i don't know back in the 1860s the uh, the first shot uh, duels was- the, uh, the civil war was oh, okay. the firing on Fort Sumter. Yeah, let's hope that the skirmish at the uh, following the Trump rally at the White House last uh, night, Saturday, uh, there was a violent skirmish where a bunch of people were uh, fighting each other. Let's hope that wasn't the uh, the Fort Sumter in yeah. terms of uh, civil war. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, uh, the betting on whether or not Donald Trump will fire his Attorney General William Barr even before January twenty. Stick with us on too many lawyers. This is too many lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm still Oaks. So we've just been talking about uh, the hail Mary pass by Donald Trump, and we said that he sort of gives new definition to refuse to lose. I guess people now get to place bets. I'm sure literally they'll be taking bets in Vegas on whether oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, refusing to lose means running again in 2024. Oh yeah. But before Donald Trump makes that decision, he has to decide whether to fire the evil uh, William Barr, the the guy that the, the not Demo- evil enough. I Democrats guess. and the progressives have just loved to hate yeah, over the last true. year or two, and. What does he do? Two big things that Donald Trump absolutely hated uh, in recent times. First of all, uh, the uh, the Hunter Biden situation uh, that, that could have been pursued uh, o- over the last six, eight, nine months uh, by the Department of Justice. A lot of people were pushing for that. They thought they had enough evidence to turn it uh, from a, you an know, alleged scandal into a formal investigation. And reportedly, Barr made the decision, no, this would really violate the Department of Justice rules against getting involved in stuff that could be seen as partisan politics. It could influence an un- upcoming election. They literally have uh, guidelines in terms of how many months prior to an election that they should be taking certain steps. Comey, Hillary Clinton
1: announcement uh, rules. Or yeah, pre? no, this well, did that Comey just threw out the freaking window. Yeah,
0: funny you should mention that because yeah, the same rules have been in effect for years. Interesting. And, yeah, and Comey uh, uh, did throw throw the rule book out there. So that was number one thing that Barr did. Second thing Barr did was uh, about ten days ago he came out and said, you know, um, I don't really see the evidence when it comes to. Uh, Voter fraud in any substantial way, and of course, Trump's head exploded when he heard this. And you have to wonder, you know, why is it that Barr, who's been portrayed as you know the handmaid of Donald Trump, he didn't have to say anything. You know, he could have stayed silent. You know, the the people uh, took their three camps. One camp was Donald Trump absolutely won the election; he was ripped off. We're going to prove it. A second camp was. Come on, let him do his thing in the court. I mean, we gave Al Gore until December seven back in two thousand. And a third camp was, come on, get real. you're you're interfering with the transition. yeah, uh, we don't want another nine eleven uh so he he could have. You know, just stayed on the sidelines. Why do you think uh, that he that he took both of these steps, the one about Biden and the one about coming out with well, an opinion? The Occam's Razor uh, answer, the simplest explanation
1: is, is probably the best, is that he, like everyone else, sees the writing on the wall. And he oh, liked, he
0: wants a position in the Biden administration? Uh,
1: no, not <laughs> no. quite. He'd like to rehab his image on the way out. He'd like to be known like John Roberts is, obsessed with his legacy. Yeah. He'd like to be known as somebody other than uh, a stooge for Donald Trump. And guess what? It, there's no more value uh, to be, you know, had in being Trump's stooge if he's all all the way out. If the rats are fleeing the ship before it sinks, of course he's going to join them. Now you can say uh, that, or you can say that he, the other explanation in my mind is that. Even a Trump stooge has nothing to go on, that he just can't start a Hunter Biden uh, uh, investigation, that he just can't start an election fraud investigation because there's nothing to go on. He's just running on empty, totally on fumes. And what is he going to do? it will destroy his reputation if he tried. uh, And it would maybe even even if you think he's a complete Trump stooge, maybe you think that starting the investigation itself would simply reveal that there was no basis for it. And it's a more powerful Trump narrative to not start the investigation. And he just has nothing. And that way, Trump can just point at the DOJ and say the DOJ is against him. And that helps Trump's chances in 2024, which I mean, frankly, if I were Bill Barr, that's what I'd be saying to Trump privately. I'd go to Trump and I'd say, look, buddy, i love for you to come back in 2024. I'd love to be your AG again when you do, because uh, you're definitely going to win, for sure, for sure, for sure. So what we'll do now is you can blame me, me and the DOJ for not uh, starting this investigation. And if only they'd started the investigation, they would have found something. But if we start it now uh, and then, you know, uh, they have to wrap it up, uh, wrap up the election fraud, like Biden's new DOJ has to wrap up the election fraud investigation. What do you think they're going to find? Of course, they're going to find there was no fraud. So that's not really going to work for us. That doesn't help. We can just be able to say 2023 during the primary they never even did an investigation, those yeah. jerks.
0: And we're going to get Bill Barr in here and give him another chance, maybe. You may be right. You may be right. So finally, I want to give you my uh, my rant on why people uh, voted for Donald Trump. So uh, l- l- let me lay this on you, Conor. Maybe can, there's a you gas can, leak you can and they, you got confused and that's they possible. fell asleep in the in the booth
1: and their marker hit the wrong... <laughs> Maybe. That was probably it. So
0: the rant starts with a, a question here. You uh, Hypothetically, uh, your family is being threatened uh, by some gangsters. And Ooh. you need help. Yeah. And there's this bodyguard out there, and he is really terrific at his job. And he, he'll give you a 95% chance uh, that your family will be safe. That's pretty good. Uh, problem is, he is a real creep. I mean, uh, he is dishonest, and he is arrogant. He uses no common sense. He's everything that we hate in people. We we like people who are honest. We, we hate dishonest. Steve. We, we like people who display humility. We hate arrogance. We like kindness. We want people uh, who are empathetic. And so this bodyguard is, is the absolute opposite of everything we like. But he's going to keep the family safe. Now, your other choice is a bodyguard. He's pretty good. Uh, he actually is honest and uh, he's humble oh. and he's empathetic. And he has a 50% chance of keeping your family safe. So and who, that ain't bad. Who do you pick? One well, out of two ain't yeah, bad. Everybody picks the, the bad guy. He's going to get the job done. Donald Trump is everything everybody hates. Why would we reject qualities we like when selecting our leader. We knew he was dishonest. We knew he was arrogant. Uh, you know, once we figure out when what people are like, if they have the, bad qualities, we don't want anything to do with them. But we want in a leader a warrior who we believe will defeat our enemies, foreign and domestic. It would be nice if we had a leader with the personality and the character of Mr. Rogers and the skill set of the Terminator. But given the importance of the job as our leader, we don't really care if he reminds us of Mr. Rogers. Because, you know, if you're Sarah Connor, you want the Terminator. Uh, Well, guess what? Gangsters are threatening our family. Their names are Putin. He lives in Russia. Uh, His name is Xi. He lives in China. His name is the Ayatollah. He lives in Iran. His name is Kim. He lives in North Korea. And closer to home, uh, there are a million criminals in the United States. I made that number up, but let's just assume it's about right. They're poised to pounce if the police are defunded or just in general, we need protection against crime. Donald Trump is not the only leader we chose with repulsive characteristics. Lyndon Johnson was crude and dishonest. 50,000 Americans died in Vietnam because he lied year after year about the prospects, about the progress of the war, but we really wanted that great society that he delivered. Yeah, and John, Andrew Jackson killed a bunch of uh, Native Americans for us, which uh, we really wanted because we were super racist. Uh, and who knows if I knew my U.S. history better. I, I'd imagine there are a bunch of great things that he did to, to make up for that. But, I mean, John Kennedy. not think of any. John Kennedy. He had a a different woman in the White House every week, but he gave us Camelot. He gave us the best and the brightest. He got the job done. Mm. We don't care about their personalities. We don't care about their characters. You know, frankly, Bill Clinton, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson... I bet they were about as dishonest, arrogant, and unempathetic as Donald Trump. They were just much better at hiding it. And they happened to be politically aligned with 90% of reporters, 90% of academics, and 90% of the entertainment industry. So I guess my thought looking back on the weird Trump era is instead of looking the other way at the flaws of our Democrat presidents, for the last four years, we've been treated to a nonstop, relentless drumbeat of criticism of Trump's dishonesty and arrogance and lack of empathy. When is it really that important? Isn't bottom line either a president keeps us safe keeps the gangsters at bay or not now I'm not saying Trump did a great job at that you know you can have your debate but that's over the message Korea he was sending. and, and yeah. e- the economics of of the last right. four years and the lowest black unemployment rate Et etc and so on but it just seems like the personalities of these guys they're secondary and yet that's what people have been obsessed with over the last few years I mean
1: to say that the personalities of our presidential candidates are or should be uh, secondary because we only care about the policy outcomes, specifically all the fear-based, you know, super conservative co-
0: things that, that conservatives are, are successful well, any about policy, policy outcome, the great society right. or low taxes right. or low unemployment rates. But, risk. you know, international Whatever. thugs. Uh, like
1: Putin and 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 crime on a local level, as the the president controls that all saying that to all is secondary, secondary, and that we don't care about it. And yet at the same time, turning around and saying that Hillary lost because she was unlikable, or because she was too closely associated with Bill Clinton and his his indiscretions or his crimes that he committed, or whatever else. It it really I think puts the lie to it. I think that it shows that there is a massive conservative propaganda machine aimed at pointing out the flaws, and it's very successful in the personalities of people like Hillary Clinton. And uh, well, it was a colossal
0: failure the- when it comes to defending Trump, though, because everybody in America pretty much but the idea the has gets- sunk into their psyche that Donald Trump is not a good guy. Right, he but, is dishonest. But, he is arrogant. Except all of the Trump- Co- Pro Trump conservatives well, you, don't think that they don't, don't think many they're not holding many their nose. of the seventy million who voted for Trump held their nose and said I would not have this guy over for Sunday dinner. But doggone it, I love those justices. I love that low unemployment rate. That's, mean, that's the opinion of a lot of people. Yeah, they didn't. They were not fooled. They knew because of the drumbeat how bad a guy Donald Trump is. Right. And as for Hillary, I mean, you're right. I mean, she. A lot of people are sexist, and a lot of people you know regarded her as a bitch, and you know a lot of people did a, a number on her personality. Right. But I don't think that really denies the truth of the fact that we, we, should pay a lot of attention to whether or not our presidents are going to keep us safe, and we should pay less attention to their personalities. Well, I mean, the question
1: is really, what do we do, not what should we do? And I think the, the the difference in the fact that Hillary lost and that Trump won shows that it can you can be successful by attacking someone's character, but you just have to do that. And the anti-Trump movement didn't really attack his character. They just pointed at his character and said, look, he's a bad Pretty- guy. They didn't create more stuff and lie and, you know, poison the image of this person. They just said, look how bad he is. And then Trump went out and owned it. Trump said, yeah, I'm terrible. You don't care.
0: you really think that Trump and his folks got credit for doing a number on Hillary? Because Hillary was on the national scene so long. Yeah. I think people kind of had their minds made up about Hillary when 2016 rolled around. I mean, my goodness, to be on the national scene, eight years as first lady, and then she's in the U.S. Senate, and then she's secretary of state and Benghazi this and all blah, blah. I mean, I think everybody kind of had a real strong opinion about Hillary going into it that was election. overwhelmingly positive until Benghazi. It was massively pop. That's why
1: she was so like a mm, slam dunk. Massively successful. I can tell, you, I can tell you,
0: knowing a lot of Republicans, there was a lot of them just hated her guts. Right. Of course they did because they knew she might be and the first of, woman president. And a president lot of, centri- of centrists had nothing, uh, no good uh, thoughts to think about Hillary as well. I mean, I, I think maybe that's a I'm demographic. Not thing. Donald Trump didn't uh, go after her, and, and to a degree, maybe he was successful, but. I I mean, she, she, you know, you. Benghazi was what the un- endless,
1: unbelievably, completely unsubstantiated investigation into uh, Clinton that accused her of killing a bunch of people uh, uh, that didn't actually happen all turned out to be the reason that her poll numbers went down. I mean, you, uh, Kevin McCarthy admitted that on television. He said we pushed this in an interview. He said we uh, look at her poll numbers after Benghazi, and it, it was like look like a great success. of Benghazi it was. People were complaining to McCarthy and saying, why saying- would you do this investigation? And he's like, look at what happened. We- so- I I think he wished he could take that back. He probably did. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is I think this is what we learn is that you can run a campaign that is so divorced from the individual candidates uh, uh, personality traits and be successful. Despite that, the Democrats don't do that. The Democrats try to try to say, look at the great personality traits of our candidate. They will come. They will uh, uh, be able to take on whatever problem arises because they are smart, because they are wise, because they have the backing of this whole institution of the Democratic Party that makes good decisions. I often disagree with that part, but that's their message that they're trying to push. We're the wise leader who will lead you through times of trouble uh, wisely. Trump and the conservatives have showed that you don't have to run that campaign the way they I mean, that's what the, the conservatives ran a Democrat style, a modern Democrat style uh, campaign with George W. Bush. Right. After nine eleven. especially for the second term, it was don't change horses in midstream. He's a he, he's he's going to be a, he's a good guy. He's a guy you want to have a beer with. He's a guy that you uh, like and, and would trust. Uh, and he might not be the smartest guy in the world, but gosh darn it, he's a good guy. And th- that that worked for one election after 9-11. But the Democrats. Have been on that plan for a really long time, basically just trying to capture uh, the magic that was Reagan and re and copy that. And they did it, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle with Clinton. He was so incredibly powerful and charismatic, but they haven't they didn't have that again until Obama. And then Obama, they did it again. And they're like, oh, let's just pull a Reagan, get another Clinton or Obama in here, and then he'll charisma his way to the top. And guess what? It's not as effective. The fact that the, the you can elect of Donald Trump, uh, who is just the absolute worst possible candidate for president of all time, with your with this other strategy proves that strategy is better, right? It's like if you come up with a strategy for the Kentucky Derby and you manage to run an actual donkey and it wins, your strategy is great. The donkey's not great. Your strategy is
0: great. Now you uh, you used charisma as uh, he's going to charisma his way to the top as a verb, a verb, and I think that's an amazing accomplishment. I've never seen thank anybody pull that off. That's you. fantastic. So you um, you got the last word, and that's because the rule of the podcast, Connor, is that if you indulge me and put up with my rant, right? Right. Which you kindly did. I thought did. the rule of the podcast you was... You get
1: the last word. Whoever's louder
0: gets the last word. No, no, no. Oh, no. I got to change my whole strategy. <laughs> so um, so Connor gets the last word on that. <laughs> and uh, what we're going to get into uh, next week, I think, is uh, talk about some, some COVID strategy uh, Trump lost. Now, maybe we can agree on a sensible uh, strategy, especially now with the great news about uh, the... Uh, The vaccine being here. So uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, This has been Too Many Lawyers.